Welcome to the Psychosphere. My name is David Sutcliffe, and my guest today is Chris Marhefka. Chris Marhefka, reading from his bio, facilitates transformation by opening hearts, expanding minds, and giving people permission to be their most authentic self. He creates life-changing experiences in emotional healing, inner child work, somatic experiencing, breath work, masculine embodiment, relationship and communication coaching, men's development, and leadership mentoring. He is the CEO and facilitator of Training Camp for the Soul and the founder and facilitator of the Embodied Man Community and Retreats. Chris is, uh, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, He does a, a very similar work to what I do. And having sat down with him for 90 minutes, uh, yeah, he knows he's good. He's very, very wise, very grounded in his knowledge, and uh, he's got a gift. He really does. You can see that uh, right away. And he's got a big heart. And uh, I just loved uh, talking to him, getting to know him. I'm very inspired by him and the work that he's doing, and I hope you will be too. Please enjoy my conversation with Chris Marhefka. Uh, I was on your podcast, fully expressed. That's right. How how is that going? You've launched that about what a couple months ago? Yeah, we just launched episode eleven, so we're doing one a week. One so a week, eleven weeks. And how is it getting guests? Uh, how's it getting guests? Yeah how how is it getting guests? Like, is it oh, hard great. to get guests? No, not at all. I have. I have about eight episodes I've recorded that I haven't even put out yet. Really? So I'm thinking about doing two a week just because I have a lot and I want to get them out there because they're awesome. <laughs> so I have like, I have too many guests right now. Right, right. And but, it's called Fully Express. And just say a little bit about what your intention mm-hmm. is behind the podcast. Yeah. So the intention is for really interesting people. That's, that's my main priority is interesting people that have led interesting, full lives that have stories to share, wisdom to share, experiences to share, um, speaking honestly and vulnerably, uh, fully expressed about that. Um, the reason why this came up is in my own personal life, in my small circles, I notice that we have these conversations normally. We speak openly, we speak vulnerably, we um, share our real authentic challenges and what we're going through. And then when I go a few degrees outside of that small circle, people think that's strange. But the commonality with so many humans is that we're all experiencing something really similar. (laughs) Our own internal battles that other people know nothing about until we let them in on it. And so people that have been doing this work um, or they're just really embodied and they feel comfortable sharing openly, uh, I'm just having conversations to show people like it's normal to talk like this. It's normal to uh, share your heart, um, share your authentic feelings. And um, yeah, it's been successful. We've had some really deep, deep conversations. Um, and so they're both interesting in the sense of just people often get really uh, vulnerable. They get emotional. And then also we're talking about some really interesting topics too. So most of the interesting people are doing interesting things. So we've talked about everything from like the kink BDSM sex play world to a lot of psychedelic talk to like extreme sports 
and um, all sorts of like off the wall hobbies. And I've had stand up comedians on there. And yeah, it's been fun. It, was it hard for you to put yourself out there in that way? I mean, you, you, mm. you're pretty vulnerable, mm-hmm. pretty real, pretty authentic. I mean, you did yeah. a whole podcast with your ex-wife mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I follow you on Instagram and you're, mm. you're very, it's raw. Yeah. And how was that for you? Was that mm. a decision that you made or has it always been the way you were? Mm. I think it was an unlayering of not giving a fuck. It was just layers, <laughs> layers of not giving a fuck. When did you used to give a fuck? Oh yeah. What oh, would oh, yeah. give a fuck in what sense? Like what people um, thought of I, you? Yeah. So I, I lived my life trying to be a certain way uh, so that I look good to others, good marriage, good family, good community, good business, good financial standing, all these good things, good car, good house, good, and, um, and then it was just through getting a lot of those things and then realizing like that wasn't actually what I was seeking. I was just filling my life with things, um, because, you know, I, I had, um, hadn't to that point ever gone inside. I was always looking outside. Um, and so yeah, I gave a lot of fucks back then. And I, to the point to where I would change who I was around people for them to like me, for them to, um, approve of me in some like bullshit scoreboard that like none of us really even know what it is. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I, I gave a lot of fucks and it led me to be exhausted all the time because it's exhausting being a lot of different people And then I realized at some point a few years ago that I could just be myself and ultimately, um, the right people would accept me. Um, and the people that don't accept me for who I are, who I am, I just let go of that. Like Mm. I let go of being liked by everyone or, um, uh, yeah, being accepted by everyone. So you went, you went through a a big change in your life. You had success, you had a a career, you were Mm -hmm. a, trainer and mm-hmm. you had a business around that mm-hmm. you also i know that you had a, a show a reality yeah. show so you were out there doing your thing you got married mm-hmm. and like what was that transition like what was the was there a moment where you mm-hmm. kind of woke up or saw mm-hmm. it or was there a crisis or what yeah. what happened absolutely yeah my my 20s post college were just a series of trying to figure fucking life out it was I was, um, looking back, it's hilarious. I was just trying to find myself in all these different ways, in all these different labels and identities. And, um, I got into everything that I got into, I believe for the right reasons. But then when I realized it wasn't quite the fit, I would hold on to things. I didn't know how to let go of them. And, um, and that led to me building a life of a lot of things that started to, um, create some like inner conflict in myself. And the inner conflict was like, I have all the things that I said that I wanted. I set all these goals and I hit all these goals, but yet inside I don't feel the way that I want to. And so why outside looking in people say like, Oh, you should be happy. You should be grateful. And I wasn't. And so I was like, what the hell's wrong with me? That was my right. Predominant question is like, what the hell is wrong with me? I have all these things not fulfilled. 
And so for me, it was just, uh, layers of discomfort or pain, uh, physical pain, emotional pain, uh, mental pain. And they just kept building and building and building. And during a period of time from 30 to 32, I had so many unexplainable injuries. I was in health and fitness. I was in wellness, but yet I was, I was, I was like gaining weight and I was hurting myself all the time. I actually had a traumatic brain injury from um, literally so much pressure in my neck that the capillaries in my brain exploded. Wow. Yeah, and I couldn't, and that was actually the last one that uh, led me to just sit the fuck down for a period of time. I couldn't raise, I couldn't walk up an incline hill because my heart rate would get too high. It would feel like a grenade was going off in my head. That must have been scary. It was so scary for a number of reasons. One, physically, like I thought my life was over. I thought at any moment my brain could explain that was a lot of fear to carry around. And then just from an emotional standpoint, my entire life had been built around me being physically fit, being an athlete, right. um, being in fitness and having the answers. And now it was just like I was a potato on the couch that couldn't do anything. And I slid into like six months of just darkness. And then on the other side of that darkness, the, I hit enough darkness to where I was like, and this was the moment where I was just like, okay, like I, I'm going to change something about the way that I'm living. I'm, I'm going to stop uh, seeking the answers in the same way. And, and this was after a series of, um, a series of meeting people who were thinking differently, who were showing up differently. I traveled a little bit. So I got outside of my bubble and I was like, Oh, Whoa, life isn't like this for everyone. Right. And that was when things started to shift for me. Did you have any experience before that with like psychotherapy or inner work or mm-hmm. meditation or zero. any kind of self-reflection? This zero and well, mm-hmm. I'll I'll take that back. I I got into um, breath work way before it oh. was cool. I've been practicing it for maybe ten years. I would go out backpacking with a good buddy of mine, and we would just do breath work in the woods and like. Those were some spiritual experiences and, but then I would go back into the real world and like forget about it. And so that was something that I was doing. Um, I always tried to meditate. I had all the apps. I would sit down and the brain would be like, nope. (laughs) And, um, and so, yeah, up until that point, like in, in, in my family, the conditioning was like, oh, the people that are going to therapy are, there's something really wrong with them. They have problems. Right. And again, I wanted to be the good one, the liked one, the one that had it all together. And so like, that wasn't even an option. I was like, oh, I, I've got it way better than all of those people with problems. And meanwhile, like keeping myself from the thing that would have helped me break through a lot sooner with a lot less pain, but so you, you, you had to realize you were now one of these people with problems. Yep. <laughs> I remember, yep. I remember that moment. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm fucked up. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh. <laughs> it's just so humiliating. Yeah. And, 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 but in a good way, it is. you're, you're humbled, you know, it was a relief for me. Right. Cause I was trying to pretend like I didn't have problems. Right. I clearly did. And like, we all do like, what is a problem? It's like living as a human is a problem. There's a lot of conflicts of living as a human, but, um, yeah. So I finally admitted I've got some problems. And where did you go for help? 
Mm. Um, well, the help found me. It probably had been finding me in a lot of different names and faces for a while, but I was rejecting it. Uh, in fact, um, I was at a business conference in 2018 and I was trying to scale this business from a purely egotistical standpoint. And so I was looking for strategies and tools. And I met this, this guy, a friend of mine named, uh, Mike Bledsoe. He also lives here in Austin, very good brother of mine. And I met him outside during one of the breaks. We were in line for the bathroom and, uh, he had his shirt off, getting sun. This was actually a conference in Austin, Texas. And shirt off, getting some sun, rolling like a hand-rolled tobacco cigarette. And this is at a business conference. People are wearing like button-up shirts and ties and jackets. And, and I'm like, this fucking guy. I was tr- so triggered at first. Um, but then I was like, there's something about his energy. And so my wife at the time, she actually asked him, she's like, what work have you done? Cause clearly you're more at home in yourself than everyone here. And it was true. And he's like, you know, six months ago, I just did this program called training camp for the soul. And he's like, dude, I see exactly where you are. Cause I was there six months ago. He's like, you can do all this business. You can keep going down this road if you want, but like basically said, like you're in your own way like get to what you actually want. And he had just stepped down from his company that he, um, became well known for. And, um, I, I I was like put off by it because I was like, no, I'm growing this business. I'm doing this thing. And so I rejected it at first. Um, but my wife at the time, she was very persistent. And so Mm -hmm. we got on the phone with the founder Anat, who I know you've had on the show. And, um, she was a full yes. And I was like, I don't trust it because that was another one of my scripts. Don't trust anything that you can't make sense of and in your mind. And so she went through the program and had incredible results. She was happier. She was more free in herself. She was being more expressed. Um, and she just loved life. She was Mm. living, uh, living radically was it radical 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 aliveness she was experiencing radical aliveness and um i wanted that and so like that was enough proof that i got back on the phone with a knot and i was so stubborn but finally she cracked me and uh, i think i said something along the lines of i'm afraid of losing control of my life and she said i'm not interested in that I'm actually interested in you gaining control of your life probably for the first time. Mm. And that was like, cracked me open. I was like, oh, that was exactly it. Because I was pretending like I had control and my life was internally chaos. Right. And so it struck a chord of truth in me. I was like, oh, I actually don't have control. And so I I did the program uh, myself as a client. And uh, now, as you know, Anat and I are partners and we facilitate together two and a half years later. And what, tell me about the, the program. Like it's, what is the program yeah. and, and mm-hmm. what happens and what happened for you? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, uh, the program, um, the nuts and bolts of it are, we do it both online and in person in, in person intensive retreats. And then also in three month, uh, 90 day programs online. Um, we teach people it's, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, a lot of our clients come up with nicknames for our programs. I actually really like them. The, the more manly one is, uh, emotional Navy seal training. And uh, a little bit more feminine one is the uh, feelings class. So we, we teach people um, how to feel. Um, and this is a little bit more of the experiential of what people get in the program. They learn to separate themselves from the story that they're making about the feeling or the, or the sensation in their body and the sensation itself objectively. And so we do a lot of tracking sensations and feeling emotions, feeling feelings. Um, and I know that can scare a lot of people. Um, it certainly scared me because I'd never been there before. I'd suppressed every feeling. I was flatlined um, and it scared me. And um, so that's on, on one end. And then on the other end, on the more like structure, we do inner uh, child healing work, which is essentially uh, just unlearning the things that aren't serving people anymore and allowing them to rewrite their script to things that do serve them. We call these limiting beliefs. They mm -hmm. have a lot of names for them, but, um, just the beliefs that people are carrying around in their adult life usually didn't come from adult life. They came from early child development from mom or from dad or a lack of learning from mom or from dad. So there'd be a gap in learning. And so uh, we teach people how to identify the things that are holding back, get to a new level, level of awareness, get to the root of it, um, pull it out from the root so that it's not just trimming the weed, pretending like it's not there. It's actually pulling it out and from the body, letting it release from the body, and then um, introducing that introducing is not the right word, but a, a new belief comes up from that space that's created and then uh, integrating it into their life so that they can start to, I, I always say systematically because it really is, we use a five stage process and it's a systematic changing the script of your life. And that's what people get to do. And they get to go as deep as they're ready to go into, um, and we do it progressive too. So week one, I mean, it's a very safe, open container, but the conversations are, are a little bit one layer deeper. And then the next week we go another layer deeper and another layer deeper. And then people, some people quote unquote crack in week two and some crack in week 10. <laughs> right. But, um, everyone gets what they, they came for. We actually just graduated, um, our most recent class about an hour ago before I what, came here. Really? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, there's, it's a combination of online mm -hmm. training yep. mm -hmm. with, uh, in-person more workshops, experientials. Yep. And, yep. and how long is the whole, like you sign up for the whole program of it? Yeah. You know, the, the business model itself is ever evolving. Right. Um, the model that we have right now is people go through the 90 day first. Uh, it's the online program. It's like, it gives the brain enough knowledge and information alongside the virtual practice that people can get massive transformation just doing that online program alone. 
but oftentimes a lot of people then choose to come to a retreat. Right. So everyone's speaking the same language. Everyone knows how to track their body. They know how, what resistance feels like. And so we can drop right in and facilitate at a much deeper level in person. Right. And everyone has all the tools. So our retreats are very powerful. Um, and then they come to a retreat and then actually we have a, we have a, a third option, a third level, which is our mastery program. And our mastery program is, um, really designed for people that want to go deeper in self. But what we found is that it's people are gravitating to it who want to facilitate this work or their coaches. And they just want to bring this, this completely new aspect mm-hmm. to their work. And so we teach them, uh, we go deeper in self, but we also teach them like the frameworks and like how to facilitate this. And then we also do a retreat with them too. So that sounds amazing. It is. Yeah. And so what happened for you? Like what, what was your breakthrough? What did you realize about yourself? What was the, the programming that you were mm-hmm. carrying and what, what was hard for you to feel? Yeah. Um, I, I, like most of us had a, had a handful of like really core beliefs and everything kind of like spurted out from those. Um, one of the, the biggest ones is, uh, not being able to trust others. Where did that come from? Yeah. It came up in a, in a session at, in, when I did the program and it was very, very simple, um, I'll preface it by saying that as adults, like we look at these things and be like, that's silly. Like that couldn't possibly. Um, but trust me, um, the developmental traumas that happen, they happen to everyone. It's just, we just, we hold on to them differently. One impacts you differently than it impacts me. Maybe the exact same event happens. Um, so I was four years old and, um, I actually had a, a second version of this come up, um, around the same age. So I'm not actually sure which one came first, but I was four years old and I was playing soccer and my dad was supposed to pick me up. I knew that and game ended or whatever a four-year-old does with soccer practice. I don't know. And, um, he wasn't there and I, I witnessed all of the kids being picked up by their parents and just noticing like the looking around and being like, Oh, Oh shit. And I didn't say it was a four-year-old, but like, Oh, I'm here alone with coach. Dad's not here. So it was just like this immediate, like, Oh, I've been abandoned. Um, and meanwhile, the reality of his situation was he had just walked 50 feet away to watch my sister play on the field next. And he just thought it ended five minutes later. So he walks over and to him, to coach, nothing's wrong. Cause I'm just like holding it inside and this internal fear and panic is happening. And there's this, there's this both feeling of abandonment, um, betrayal and then immediately losing trust in others and cementing some belief that I always, always have to take care of myself. And I guess I'm on my own now. And, um, I had a very similar experience happen around that age where I was at a bazaar and I looked up and none of my family was around me. And, and I actually had to go and find someone to call on the intercom. So it reinforced this belief that like, Oh, you just got to take care of yourself now as a four or five-year-old, like you need to be taken care of by my mom and dad. And, um, for that brief moment, it wasn't there. And I made that mean a lot. Yeah. And so through, through, uh, the relationships in my life with others, um, 
it led me to keep people at an arm's distance. Like I couldn't actually let, I didn't know how to let people in because I couldn't trust it. I couldn't trust the, the possibility of being abandoned again. Um, I couldn't trust the, the letting someone into my heart and be heartbroken by that. And so I, I always say like the gift of that was I learned to be fiercely independent and I was uh, successful in, as an entrepreneur because of that. And I was living in a lot of the gifts of it. But when I noticed that there was also a dark side to that, that like I actually didn't connect with anyone. I rarely looked people in the eyes. You'd be surprised. Like the person I am now, I'm like, I love everyone, but I couldn't connect with people. I couldn't share vulnerably. I couldn't let people in. And I couldn't trust my employees at the time. I had 30 plus employees and I didn't actually trust them to do their job. So guess what I saw? All the evidence that they weren't doing their job. So I was always frustrated with everyone. I was like, everyone's incompetent. Everyone can't do this. But it was really just my belief that they couldn't, that I was looking for that evidence. And so it, it affected me. And, and during the program, I had so many more layers of how that was affecting me, right. how it was showing up in my life. And, um, that was, that was definitely the biggest one for me. Well, it's hard for people to understand. I think sometimes how scary it is to be a kid. Mm-hmm. You're just little. You're completely helpless. Mm-hmm. You're totally vulnerable. You're totally mm-hmm. dependent on your parents, on your caregivers for your survival. Mm-hmm. And you're constantly adapting to the situation. And you're, you're drawing conclusions based on the two-year-old, mm-hmm. three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old's interpretation yeah. of reality, <laughs> which is not particularly reliable. <laughs> and that gets embedded in your psyche. And then yeah. you're 25, 30, mm. and you're still operating from that same belief system. And it's, I had a very similar story. Mm. My parents had just split up. So I'm six or seven and my uh, hockey practice. My mom was just, she was consistently late mm. and she would show up, but there was one time it was cold. It was outside. It was the same deal. Everybody's parents mm. are coming to pick them up or they're already there. My mom's not, she's kind of, you know, single mother, young, Mm -hmm. and dad's not around. So there's a lot of instability and she didn't show up. And I remember panicking. And then when she does show up, I'm like kind of complaining, but because she's so overwhelmed Mm -hmm. with everything that's going on in her life. I mean, there's a reason she was late, single mom, two young kids. She's freaking out. There wasn't space for my emotions. So it kind of got shut down. And so that all got buried inside me, that kind of resentment and fear. And then it came out years later. I had a girlfriend who was always late. I mean, many, many women are late. But she, was, <laughs> she was consistently late. And there was one time I just, I lost my mind. Yeah. And it was, it was a kind of uh, rage, but not like it was anger mixed with like, I was almost crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this deep sense of betrayal. Yeah. And as it was coming out of me, so hurt. I was like, what's, what is this? And she got scared. She didn't know yeah. what was going on. And, and then I brought up with my therapist. And then it, as I was talking about it, I remembered this moment with my mother. Mm-hmm. And so these things are off, often very connected. And that fear that we experience as children, if it doesn't get processed, or if it doesn't mm-hmm. get seen or acknowledged or recognized by the adult, we sit with it. We're alone with it. And it's still in our bodies. And it's shameful in some way because we don't, yeah. we, you know, we're adults, especially men. Right. Like, I don't want to think that I'm afraid right. of shit. Mm-hmm. Afraid, you know, that I'm actually, when a woman shows up late, what's really going on for me? 
is I'm terrified that she's going to abandon me. I'm not actually angry that she's late. I'm in terror. Mm. And that's, that's a hard thing to come to terms with, you know, and it's hard to sometimes to convince people of that, but that's all of us walking around. And once you have the embodied experience of it, like you would in training camp for the soul, then you know it, like you can't not know it, but that's not a place you can get to necessarily cognitively. Like you can't think your way there. You have to, you have to feel that child's feelings and then, uh, understand the conclusions that were drawn and then liberate it. And then, as you said, make mm-hmm. new choices. Yeah. It's very, very powerful concept. So you go through the experience mm-hmm. and w- like you're still doing your business. Like yeah. now you're a facilitator. What, yeah. like, how did that transition happen? Yeah, that was a wild year. I did that in January, 2019. And, um, you know, at the end of the program, uh, my, like you said, my external life didn't look that differently. I was just seeing it all differently. I was seeing myself differently. And, uh, my wife at the time, she was going to the retreat with Anat and, uh, Anat asked me to help out and volunteer. And so I, I was literally the, the CEO of two company and owner of two companies, uh, in the middle of scaling this business, no possible reason why I should check out for a week in the, a cabin in the mountains to volunteer in the kitchen, cooking food for like this retreat of, it was like uh, eight or 10 people at the time. And, uh, but I did it. It just, she asked you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, back then the retreats were like much less formal and she was just having volunteers of past graduates I come and help out. And she knew that, um, my wife Carly right. was coming. And so, uh, she's like, yeah, you want to come hmm. and do this and help out and you'll just be working in the kitchen. But apparently when I showed up, I like up leveled the food game a lot. <laughs> um, are you, a, you cook? I'm good at it. Yeah. And, you like uh, to cook? What I do. One of the businesses that I was running that I was actually scaling was a healthy meal delivery company. Oh. And I spent a lot of time with the chefs in the kitchen and like we I learned a lot like just watching them right. like putting stuff putting stuff recipes and stuff together. But and you had so, to cook for twenty people at this retreat. Uh or it tw- was it was only like ten at the time. Oh, okay. They were smaller, okay. more right. intimate so retreats. Yeah. Right. Um Yeah, so I did that. And up-leveled the food, so I got asked back again, and then I got asked back a third time, and I kept going back. Yeah, and um, meanwhile, while this was all happening, I made the decision to finally take this uh, this RV trip that I had been like dreaming about. It was like a life, uh, what do they call it, a bucket list. And I had bought an RV a year ago, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to take this RV trip across the country and do it. And it just kept getting pushed off because there's never a perfect time. And so um, during this time, I end up taking this RV trip. Um, my wife at the time and I, we travel the country in the RV for about eight months together. And uh, during that time, all of my life started to change because I, I, I separated myself from my day to day to like see. And I started seeing things a lot differently, mm-hmm. a lot more clearly. And while I was on, while we were on the road, 
we sold our house. We had my assistant at the time, she went in and she just packed up the things that we wanted and gave away a lot of the furniture and we sold the house. This is in Florida. In Florida, yeah. We, we, we put both of the businesses up for sale while we were on the road. We sold one of them while we were in that RV trip. Wow. Like we were doing calls with the buyer. Yeah, it was, it was wild. But it was just like all this uh, synchronicities showing up to support this like new version of myself. And I, I went from a life of everything was really, really hard to now in this moment, everything was being it was getting easy. I was like, Oh wow, life is actually getting easy. And that was such a new thing for me that actually flipped for me at, in the program, but doing the road trips, helping at in the kitchen at the retreats. And then on the third one, Anat asked me, she's like, cause I had been like sneaking out of the kitchen, like going into the healing room, uh, and just, just watching, observing and like taking it all in. And it was, the most powerful container I'd ever been in. And it was, it was, there was clearly something that was drawing me there and it did not ask me. Um, there was a few moments where people would like share their new affirmations. They would look at the people in the room in the eye and like really own them. And, um, when I would do that, there was just, uh, clearly a presence to how I was showing up that the whole room felt and not named it. And she's like, you have a gift here and would you like to learn with me? And so I just mentored under her for more and more and more retreats sitting next to her, like just being like, Hey, would you ask this? And just like this, like, like old school mentor apprentice relationship. And I would debrief after every single session. And at these retreats, our retreats are a little bit lighter for us now, but at these retreats, it was just a knot in myself. And we were, um, going for, 12, sometimes 14 hours a day of facilitating straight session after session after session. And that's a machine. And, um, we would break for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but that was it. We would just go. Wow. Yeah. And, um, so I got a lot of reps in a very short amount of time. And then I also started to facilitate the online program that she had just started. And, um, got even more reps and more reps and more reps. And, and, and along the way, I also started, uh, helping her in the business. You had experience. I had 10 years as an entrepreneur growing three different businesses and, uh, figuring a lot of the things out. And I just looked at her and I was like, Oh, this is just a knot. And at the time she had another partner and, and Mike, and I was like, they're doing amazing work, but like nobody knows about it. And there's no systems and it's just like a knot gets on the phone, they come and then that, that's it. Um, and so I started helping out on the, the system side and the business side and, um, things started to grow and develop. And then soon after became CEO, ran the company and soon after we partnered and, um, now we're facilitating together. So there in the place where you're the CEO and business owner, that's an identity that you probably feel comfortable with and mm-hmm. is familiar, but mm-hmm. how is this new relatively new? Mm-hmm. I know you're settled into it now, but how was it starting to see yourself as somebody who was mm-hmm. facilitating people's transformation yeah. and healing? Yeah. 
I had a lot more judgments in my mind than were actually true. When I look back on it, I was in the place of like, there's no way I can do this. I don't have a background in this. I don't, know. I, I don't have a college degree in this. I don't have this experience, that experience. And looking back now, it's actually almost magical how my life played out. That gave me the depth of experience that I had because while it wasn't the same content of work, I spent 15 years face to face with clients as a personal trainer. And then I used to run group classes of 50 plus people solo. And I would hold the entire container and also be able to individually check in, give feedback, like motivate people, have them coming back, uh, check in with them offline. Like I was doing a lot of the things. I just didn't have the language for going one layer deeper. Yeah. And that when I had the language, everything made sense to me because I'd been watching humans closely, thousands of humans. I had, uh, I calculated at one point at this point, I I have well over 15,000 hours of coaching in some respect, either one-on-one in a group. And, and that's over thousands of people. And so I discounted all of that as like, Oh no, that was the old thing that I was doing. And for a while I discounted it, but then I started to realize like, like, Oh, I'm just, I've been practicing this gift for over a decade. And now just the content is different. I have better language for it and I, I can track in myself one layer deeper so I can track in them one layer deeper as Mm -hmm. well. Um, so there, there's, um, I've reached many, many, uh, that's not, that's not fair. I've reached a few times where I questioned it while I was facilitating. I was like, am I ready for this? That moment where I'm like, I don't know if I'm overstepping myself and every single time of those experiences, the person that I was facilitating would share something like that was the most transformational experience of my life or like the way you held that. Wow. safety. Yeah. And, um, I, <laughs> I had, um, I don't know if I should share this publicly, but yeah, Michelle, I'm vulnerable. He won't listen to it. Um, I had someone who I impromptu facilitated. He, he consented to it and it was in a, in a, a gathering, social gathering. And I facilitated, I had no idea who this guy was, but I really felt him. And this was like in, in the stage where I wasn't sure if I was like, really should be doing this. And I facilitated him and, um, just really guided him through the process. And he was an, he was an older guy. And, um, on the, on the tail end of it, he goes, you know, this isn't the first time I've experienced this work, but he said, the way you just led that was one of the best I've ever experienced. And he's like, you know, my first experience of this was with a man you may know. He's like, I used to do sessions with a man named Peter Levine, which is the founder of somatic experiencing, Mm -hmm. which is very, very similar to the work that we do. And, and I love Peter's work and, and like that, like hit me. I got full body chills right now. And he said that he's like, that was equivalent to or better than my experience in that. He's like, you have a true gift. And I was like, didn't know who this man was, but like in that moment I was like, fuck yes. And I like stood in it. And, 
and it was almost like an initiation where it was yeah. like, okay, like the mind's going to do what it's going to do and question and doubt. But like, I know who I am and what I can do, um, or how I can show up that's supportive of people. And I'm just going to keep doing that. Um, and so since then I've had some like beautiful affirmations as well, uh, along those lines, but there has absolutely been like others doubting, like I was at a retreat. Others doubting you? Me, yeah. Mm. I was I was at a retreat, and um, it wasn't my retreat, but um, uh, again, someone asked me to support them in something, and I, I had. <laughs> I'm the type that like goes fast into what I'm there for. Uh-huh. Like a go fast, open up, blast open. I'm good. Got my downloads. Got my learning. I'm good. And I'm walking around like all smiley and everything while everyone's still in their processes. And, um, someone asked me to support and I supported her and it was really embodied. It was a lot of purging. There was a a lot of like, uh, energy moving and like the whole place could feel it. And people were just watching as I was doing it. And I was, I felt fully comfortable. I was like at home. And then meanwhile, someone who, um, hadn't experienced that before is like, Oh, like what are your credentials to do that? Like, what are you, that, that line of question? Right. I was like, I was like, no, I don't actually have those things that you're asking about. And, um, that led me again down that just that one person that, that didn't have any experience with this work at all. And the retreat wasn't about that at all. It was just a, it was a different kind of retreat, but, um, that led me down another like deep questioning where I had to kind of re remind myself, pull myself back out of that. Um, yeah. Hmm. But now you don't, you don't doubt it. No, I don't. I don't doubt, I don't doubt my gift and my intention. And I don't doubt the foundational work that we're basing all this on. Right. Not at all. Right. I had a similar experience when I first started out. Um, I had a group that I was doing and uh, something came up around sexual trauma Mm -hmm. and it was, it got real deep, real quick. And I wasn't sure if I knew how to handle it, Mm -hmm. even though I'd done, I'd done a lot of training. I'd done a four year training program. I've been in, in a lot of intense situations. This was something I was alone, you know, Mm -hmm. by myself in this moment. And I didn't know if I was going to have the perfect thing to say. I didn't know what the perfect thing to say was, and, but what I learned over time, and I'm sure that you, you know this and you alluded to it, is all people really need is just for you to be present. Yeah. Like if you can be present with somebody, like all the way there mm-hmm. in whatever it is they're feeling, that's transformative. That's, that's to me is the definition of holding space. And if there's no demand, if there's no expectation mm-hmm. from you, right, that space where it's just, I'm just mm-hmm. here with you, mm-hmm. patient, open, no judgment, Safe. whatever wants to come. Mm-hmm. That's such a unique space for somebody to be in mm-hmm. so that they can allow whatever wants to come through them, come mm-hmm. through them. Because when we're going through a healing, not everything that wants to come out of us is nice. Yeah. Some of it's dark. Mm-hmm. And so we have impulses and things that we want to say that, you know, we may want to keep down or feel shameful. Mm-hmm. So, and, and maybe I, you could argue that the foundation of all trauma is really shame. Yeah. And so liber- liberating people from their shame is, yeah. is one of the most important things that you can do. So if you can just be there holding space, 
non-judgmental that that in and of itself is transformational did how i mean so you how do you think about transference like i mean i know i talked to a about this and because you get a lot projected on you yeah as the facilitator yeah right mm-hmm. and you're probably unconsciously is is dad stuff although mm-hmm. you're, you're a young man so mm-hmm. it, it, it maybe something else and it's yeah. going to get more dad as you mm-hmm. get older i mean mm-hmm. i'm fucking dad to everybody. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah it's intense but how how do you manage that like because that person coming out at you and saying mm-hmm. uh hey you know are you qualified to do this yeah. it's like there's some there's some projection that's happening yeah. there no doubt but how do you think about that? Like holding mm. the container for people and the, and the transference that's coming at you, the way people are seeing you. Mm-hmm. And then also your own transference. It's mm-hmm. like, like yeah. thinking about, like, cause you're a human being, we're mm-hmm. all human beings and we can get triggered and we have our biases and judgments. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, one of the most important things that, that I think about, and I don't know if you can ever be totally clean, mm-hmm. but it's like, how do I remove as much of my own shit yeah. from, this equation as mm-hmm. possible, you know, to be as mm-hmm. open a channel as I can be. How do you, how do you think about all that? Yeah. I mean, exactly what you just said is like, my intention is to be as open and clear as a channel that I can, that it can all just flow through me and I'm bringing nothing to it. Of course the, the human experience is what it is and, um, it happens, but I also am so committed to my individual personal practices to be aware, to know like, Oh, that's, Oh, that's that thing. Okay, cool. I can be with that. I can track that. And so I can still, if something does come up, I can still stay present in my energy and track what's happening with me while still tracking them and holding space for them. Right. And so that's just a, that's a practice. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be able to hold yourself and Mm -hmm. notice what you're feeling, be Mm -hmm. aware of it, Mm -hmm. allow it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, In, in your own mind, in your own consciousness. Mm -hmm. And often, I don't know if you have this experience is that it's information. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, if Mm -hmm. I notice that I'm like, uh, feeling uh, like I'm drawn to somebody or I'm attracted Mm -hmm. to them or I'm looking at their ass, I'm like, what the fuck? I shouldn't, I'm the facilitator should be checking out her ass. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Is she seducing me? Is there some kind of seduction game? Is mm. this part of like her, the thing that she does mm. like to keep like how she manages men or controls men or what she did with her father or something mm. like that. So that everything that you're feeling, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it, there's information there because yeah. all dynamics are, it's a dynamic. It's not yeah. just you. It's not just the person. There's something happening between you. Mm-hmm. And so do you, do you have that? Do you think about that? Yeah. The information that's coming in and how to use it? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I wouldn't use the word think when I'm, when I'm in that space, it's like the, that type of thinking mind isn't really on. I'm just letting it come through me. Mm -hmm. And I am usually attuning to their energy so that it's almost like a, a dance. So they're giving me so much information as they're expressing and I'm, I'm using both my, all of my senses. I'm using, I'm using my eyes. Um, I'm using, or maybe not all of my senses. Yeah. He definitely hearing, uh, <laughs> smelling, feeling, them. yeah. Feeling, especially like I'm, yeah. I have very strong feeling sense. And so I'll feel stuff arising in me and I'll, I'll ask them about it. And oftentimes I'll actually experience something similar 
um, that what they're describing, like that was almost the story that would pop up. I don't get really clear visuals, but I get the energy of it. I'd be like, Oh, this is their father. Oh, their father did that. Or, Oh, their mother was just busy. And I would just like, I would have the experience and I would know. And, and that would give me a cue to just like ask that, present right. that and be like, right. Oh, was this, this. And, um, one of, um, wow, that, that just came up. I don't know if I've ever shared this too publicly before, but one of the other things that I think was incredibly supportive of me doing this work is, um, oof, for a large part of my childhood and even into my adult life, I would have uh, really dark dreams. And, and I, I didn't do psychedelics until the last few years, it was, it, but it was like psychedelic trips. And I would experience myself in other people's bodies. And I would also be witness to atrocious things. I would have, um, I would have dreams about people dying all the time. And this is part of the, what is wrong with me? Like what the hell is wrong with right. me having these things? And, um, I mean, I've talked to a lot of dream analyzers. They've cleared a lot up for me, but, um, but also I think what was, happening there, or at least what I've made it mean is that like it was preparing my system to hold like all of these atrocious stories and all of these traumas and all of these things that happen to people. And so I don't really get caught up in their stories because it's almost like I've been there before mm. and it's, it's really hard to explain, but I'm like, Oh, I, I feel this. I've seen this, not necessarily with this person with this face, but like, I know the experience of this. And, um, I don't know, in some way that may have been some universe conditioning me to be able to just be present in, in those situations. Um, be present with the darkness, with, with, with the trauma, because yeah. Mm -hmm. I know, and mm -hmm. as I'm, I know you do, it, it's shocking what yeah. happens to people yeah. and it's, it's, it, it, it's prevalent. It's yeah. everywhere. It's what's going on in universal. the homes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> across the world yeah. is so fucking incredibly dark. And, dark. and I don't know if you struggle with this, but coming to terms with how dark the world actually is, mm -hmm. I mean, the world is light and is yeah. beautiful and all of that. Like I'm, yeah. I'm not, but mm -hmm. It's also so incredibly dark. Yeah. And it lives inside all of us. All of us. And mm -hmm. how was that for you coming to terms with with that? <sighs> and do you do you talk about that? Do you mm. think about that? Do you do you or is it just self-evident? It's mm. a good question. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge that that darkness is there, that that light is there in me and in everyone. Um in the program we intend to put as little emphasis on the the words or the like the event and as much of the intention on the experience that's happening in the body right and that does a few things but a few really positive things but we don't dwell too much on the darkness itself um, and more just about like what's happening with people and I went through periods. I went through actually, I guess it was last year. Uh, I went through a really dark month of June, 2020 when I went down 
many, many rabbit wormholes of the darkness of the world. And I started having those dark dreams again. And it was just like playing out like all the time. And what happened for me was, um, I just, uh, it was was actually mushroom trip. Mushroom trip told me that, um, I had the realization that like, yes, these atrocious things are happening. They're happening in front of our eyes and behind our, and, 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 and not be in front of our eyes. (laughs) And, um, and also, um, what you put your energy on is what you get more of and you magnify in your life. And so by consuming myself in that darkness, I was taking on that darkness. My, again, my body was getting sick and I was like, right. Yeah. I was staying in bed and it was, it was a weird time for me. This is post all this healing work. It wasn't me at all. And so it was like this snap out of it moment where I was like, Oh, like I can know these things. I can know them. I can really, even experience them happening. But what actually serves me and the people around me is, um, is showing up in this way. It's not showing up and consuming and, and putting the energy and the attention towards this darkness. Now, I believe some people may have that role. Like some people may have that role. It's just not what I'm built for. It's not the, what I believe I'm here to do. And so I always, feel like I can hold it while still like showing up as me and just being like, okay, and I'm still going to do the work and I'm still going to serve people. And, um, yeah, when I want to, I can go down that road and I can have those conversations. I can do those things, but it's not really that useful for me. Mm -hmm. I find it really takes me out. It takes me out of like what I'm really good at in serving this world. So I, I, I try not to, let it in my field, even though I know it's there. Yeah, that feels really clear. I mean, thought out because of course, one of the criticisms of, you know, therapy or, I mean, all different kinds of healing modalities is, you know, spiritual bypass, Mm -hmm. right? So we're just going to pretend the dark isn't there. We're going to skip through it. We're going to bypass it. Just going to live it. We're going to live in the light, love and light, love Love and and light. light. And, uh, there's something to that, mm-hmm. uh, certainly. And I love love and light. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, you can't skip over the darkness and, and I, I love the darkness. I like I, I, this is, that's why I asked the question because I, I can get fixated on it Yeah. and I want to understand it deeply mm-hmm. yep. and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the moving to Texas and uh-huh. r- reading about the, the Comanche and how mm. fucking brutal they were mm. and how the Texas Rangers were brutal back and just, what would it have been like for me if I was living during that time, if I was a Comanche Indian or I was, I was one of the Texas Rangers, I would have done those things. Mm-hmm. Probably I would have committed these unbelievable atrocities and, and it would have been normal. There would have been nothing actually dark about it. They're not yep. judging any of it as dark. It's just, they're just being. And, and so I, I know that that has to be in me. And so some part of me that really wants to come to terms with, with that and understand it in myself at the same time, you know, it's, it's 2021, mm-hmm. Th- there is abundance everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, there is also a lot of darkness, but I, 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 am feeling the same thing that you're feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what do you want to give your attention to? Yeah. You know, what do you want to build? And, yeah. and, and maybe for me, you know, I've suffered a lot and I, I walk into suffering mm-hmm. because, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I'm going to go to sweat lodge tonight. It's going to yeah. be fucking 
suffering <laughs> and fear that I'm going to have to face, you know, when it gets hot. And, uh, and there's something that I really like about it because it breaks me down. It keeps me humble. But there's also something about focusing on, on the goodness and on the light and on, on love. And maybe that that's actually, for me, mm-hmm. is, a, is a greater challenge. Like, yeah. that that's where the fear is uh, because it's, it's expansive. It's unknown. It's out of control in the sense mm-hmm. that you can't, mm-hmm. you can't control it. You have to, yeah. you have to surrender. Mm-hmm. You have to trust. You have mm-hmm. to give over. And uh, so, it's, yeah, it's, sound, it's inspiring to hear that. And it's, it's, it, the way you say it is very... Uh, uh, grounding and real. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. That said, with, with everything that's going on mm-hmm. in the world right now, uh, what do you make of it from, mm. from not from the political point of view, but from yeah. the psycho-spiritual point of view that mm-hmm. you work from? What, do you have a, a take on what mm-hmm. you think is happening right yeah. now? And I know that's a broad question. I know there's a, a, you know, a million ways that you could enter into this question, but w- what's your feeling about what's happening in the world? I take a, like, if we were to zoom out to like the highest level, I I take an approach that we are really basic beings and that we try to, we try our damnedest to understand the nature of reality and like the divine plan that's playing out in front of us uh, and all around us and in us. And we're little human brains aren't going to. And so what I choose to believe is that there is a reason for everything that happens and that it's all happening for us, not to us. I do believe that we're, we're not, I believe that we're here to go through the journey towards love and towards expansion and towards uh, abundance and joy. And I don't believe this world, this reality was designed for suffering. Mm. So in mm. from, from that lens, I can view everything as even if I don't understand it, it is happening for us in some way. And that may not play out for a hundred years. And I could die in this body and think like, oh, all that was bullshit. And that was all, um, that was all a true, like horrible things that were happening. And then maybe a hundred years after I pass, like it all made sense to humans on earth or, or whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and and so I, I first look at it from that lens is that, um, I've stopped trying to understand the divine plan and I tried to put position myself personally in the place of most alignment. Um, I, I think about it like a, a, a flowing river where when you're so far away from being aligned with yourself and your divine plan, you can't even hear it. You can't smell the river. You can't see it. But as you get closer, you start to hear it and then you smell it and then eventually you see it and then you dip your toes in, you can feel it. You feel the water moving and then you get in and it's like, oh wow, that's powerful. And then you swim closer and closer to the center of the current and then it just whisks you away. Mm-hmm. And that's how, I, that's how I think about being in alignment is when you're in alignment, um, you, life can be easy and you just get in this channel of flow where you're, anytime you get out of it, you can feel, you're like, oh, life's getting a little rocky. 
sufferings happening? Like what's going on uh, here? What can I look at here? And so, and I'll get back, I'll get back to the question too, because I have another piece to that, but I notice, okay, life's getting really difficult here. Is this just something I need to uh, put my head down and work through as a part of this discomfort? Or is this just me getting off track with my life? And um, again, I, I have a belief that we're all uh, beings on this planet for a purpose. We all play a purpose. Some people may not like their purpose in this lifetime um, or they're playing a purpose and they don't even know it. Um, and so I believe that as well. Now, I personally had to go through a massive journey, um, about not, it was about nine months ago. It was on the tail end of 2020 and I was just like fed up with everything. I was fed up with, uh, mostly, um, what, what I previously saw as lack of responsibility for themselves, for their own sovereign beings. And I was like really frustrated with it. And I was like, why are people thinking for themselves? Like, why aren't they just choosing to, to, to take control of their lives and take responsibility? And one of my mentors um, gave me an exercise that like changed a lot for me in my perspective of viewing others and judging others. I was judging a lot of people. And for my perceived lack of their responsibility for themselves, and so he gave me this exercise um, as a steel man, steel man argument. And so he said, everything that you believe the, like that you believe the opposite perceived opposite. If we were making it binary, you go to the other side and you do the research and you go, you search for those things and you go down those rabbit holes. And when I did that, it expanded like I had so much compassion for every human being because if I was watching these things and reading these things, I would believe the same thing. Right. It was this complete like, holy shit. And I already knew this intellectually, but I was like, people are literally just doing their best with what they have, the data they have and the data that they have, we can agree or disagree on what's best for people. But like, it at least gave me compassion for them. Even if I didn't agree with their choices and their actions, I had compassion because they truly think they're doing the best for themselves and those around them. And I can't judge that because their experience uh, of life and their experience of what they're learning and experiencing now is very different than my reality. And, and I had a firsthand experience of this when I went home to my grandmother's funeral last week. And there was a very uh, clear segmentation of people that were living in fear and that weren't living in fear, that were participating in these events that we were having in funeral. Um, but I genuinely came from a place of love. I came from a place of compassion with them. The, the people that were different views than I had. And I, I, I approached them and I asked them like, Hey, how, how can we interact? Like, is there like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I was like very, um, understanding of what everyone's needs were. And the previous me, I, I grew up, I, I was 
an antagonist of all authority and all I was, I was making trouble. I was a renegade everywhere. Really? Subtly. I was the good one that subtly made trouble everywhere. And I was like, no, fuck authority, fuck the rules. And so I would, um, a part of me loved to trigger people in the past cause I knew I could. And it was almost as if that part of me like wasn't even there anymore. And I just like really wanted to hear them and understand them and also connect with them because many of the people, they hadn't been connecting with other people. And it was a big shift for me. Mm. Uh, it really was. Um, and I went, I went down all of it. I went down and like, I'm, I can, I can go into the, the depths of the, the research and the, and the, all this. And, um, I was like, wow, I was like, wow, if I, if this was the only thing in my world and I was living in a bubble of this, I would believe this because it's, it's like literally everywhere and anything that's against this isn't being, isn't coming into my reality. And so just like the work that we do, the beliefs seek the evidence to reinforce the beliefs. Yeah. And that's what is happening right now. And that's why I do my personal best and my best when I'm working with other people, if I don't give much advice, but if I were to give advice, my own intention is to how much can I open myself up to at least hearing perspectives and at least opening a dialogue, even if I disagree with something that's happening. And in that way, I think about it like a, a bucket of perspectives. I've got my perspective that I put in the bucket from my life experience. Then every time I like go into someone else's experience and perspective, I get to then hold even a small part of their perspective and I put in the bucket. And so I'm just filling my bucket with all these different perspectives. And for me, like everyone else, I'm making the best choices that I know how to do with the, with the perspectives that I have. Um, and so my pursuit is always in expanding how many perspectives I have. Unfortunately, a lot of people are being told to reduce their perspectives and that's the world they're living in. They're, they're actually getting perspectives taken out of their bucket. Many people are getting uh, less and less perspectives every day. And I think that's dangerous. And I think, it's, um, I think it's dangerous to the individual and to the collective to reduce our perspectives of other humans. Because then we lose, we lose any compassion or understanding for them whatsoever. We lose any connection to them whatsoever. We dehumanize each other. And that's why I think it's dangerous. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's something happening right now where it's hard to know what the true nature of reality is. I mean, mm -hmm. just what you're saying, it's like my belief systems mm -hmm. determine my reality. And that's really what you're working with mm -hmm. in your work. It's like, what are your belief systems and, and what happened to you? And what did you, you know, what, what sense did you make of it? And, yeah. and how do you undo that? And once you do undo that and believe something different, literally your reality changes. Mm -hmm. So reality is malleable. It's not something out yeah. there. It's completely inside us, and we're starting to understand that mm -hmm. in a very deep way, but that's very challenging. Mm -hmm. If its reality is inside of us, and it's generated out, then what's actually real? Mm -hmm. 
like if there's nothing out there that's real. And I think that is, people are starting to understand that because I had an experience when I came out of Sweat Lodge last Wednesday. It was very hot, very intense, and everybody was quiet afterwards because it was pretty, you know, it was heavy. And we came out and I was looking off into the field and I had this very powerful experience. I'd never felt this way before, never never had this thought, although I'd been reading this guy, Frederick Dodson, who talks about parallel realities, mm. okay? I get, you know, it's a rabbit hole to go down, but he's very <laughs> persuasive. And it's not anything that you haven't heard of before or that anybody listening to this hasn't heard of before, but it's just, there's a perspective that he gives yeah. to it that's a little bit unique. And I saw, like I could see like, like a, a, a reality, like an mm. opening of a portal where coronavirus did not exist. Mm. Like that was the thought I had. And I could mm. walk into that reality and it could be real and it could be true. Now, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I just know that I had that experience, yeah. right? I felt that. Mm-hmm. I'm driving home thinking about, what, what the fuck? <laughs> but then you think about it. That's what's going on in that's the country. What's going on. There's literally people are living uh-huh. in two different realities that we cannot agree on. Yeah. So then you're left with, what is the fucking fundamental nature of reality? What is reality? Yeah. What is real? Mm-hmm. And then you get to the place, well, actually, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. You can choose. And then what yeah. do you want to choose, yeah. right? As we, going back to the conversation about the light and the dark, I can spend all my days reading mm-hmm. about the darkness and going yeah. to the darkness and trying to understand that. But is that good for me? Is that what I want to do? Like, where do I want to put my attention mm-hmm. or would I rather put my attention on, you know, being fulfilled or growing my business mm-hmm. or being in love or creating more connection. And, and that if I do do that and, and facilitate more people doing that without well, not denying that the darkness doesn't exist, but maybe it's the acceptance that the darkness exists in us knowing that and then making the choice not to allow that to take mm. over and yeah. choosing that mm. we can move towards the light, that that's actually mm-hmm. the path towards quote unquote, you know, enlightenment. Right. But do you think about that? Like, are you, yeah. are you rest? You must All be right? wrestling with these fucking All the like, time. like this right now. It's, 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 I mean, you can see my energy. Like, I know. What the fuck is going on? I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, pretend to know what's going on but like i have my experience and yeah and i have a, a it, every time i have a deep experience internal experience it it expands just one degree like oh that possibly might be happening or that's a little, little connecting some dots here um I, I think the 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 hardest part is is like what you said i like want to highlight underline and circle is the choice that people have to live the life that they, any life that they are currently choosing and they have the potential to choose as be as sovereign beings on this planet. We all have that same power to create the reality that we live in. And again, this is just my belief. I believe it to be true for me and I've proven it to be true for me that I can change my reality. Um, but it's this, uh, it's, it's a big leap to go into everything's a choice because what everything's a choice also means is that I have responsibility for not only the good things that happen in my life, but the not so good things happen in my life. And, and, and I can't even conceive of like the universal fabric that has these things happen, but I've had plenty of things happen that, um, were quote unquote negative that when my perspective shifted, I saw very differently. 
mm-hmm. and I saw gifts in it and I saw where I played a role in it and actually created it. And, um, that's a big leap for people to take that aren't ready to hold that. And so what I see happening and it's been happening for a very long time is people are outsourcing their responsibility. I either power for their own being, they're outsourcing their responsibility to other people. I mean, we've been doing it for almost a hundred years with our food. Most of the food we used to grow ourselves. We're doing it with our finances since the eighties. We've outsourced our savings and our retirement. I mean, my grandmother just passed. They managed all of that. They, they had their own savings plans on little, little book, handwritten booklets and all this. And they knew it. And so people are outsourcing their finances. People are outsourcing their, their childcare. People are outsourcing now their, uh, well, their health for a long time. I don't know when that started, uh, in the modern world, but we've started maybe the last hundred or so years, we started outsourcing our health to have someone else tell us what to do because it's too much of a burden for me to know what's best for me. And people are now outsourcing their day-to-day life decisions to other people. And they're saying, tell me what to do because I don't know what to do for myself. And... I mean, the, like, I'm not here to judge that that's wrong, but I'm I judging. encourage people. I'll, I'll, I'll hear it be judging. Che- check in and be like, is that fucking working for you? Yeah. That's the question. Well, you're not free. You're, you're not, not free yeah. until you understand that you're creating everything. Mm-hmm. That, like you decided some yeah. part of you, and I understand it's unconscious yeah. for yep. people. Unconscious. And you can't just beat somebody over the head. Right. You're just, you, you have it's to gently lead yeah. them. That's not yeah. useful. Mm-hmm. But... At some point, you ha- mm-hmm. you have to come to terms with mm-hmm. the fact that like the reason you're here is because of a series of choices that you made. It was mm-hmm. an unconscious decisions. You want to make that unconscious conscious, mm-hmm. which is going to be painful. It's going to. But be. coming to terms with the fact that you are creating a reality mm-hmm. that everything that's happening to you is you mm-hmm. are playing a part in that is actually the path to freedom because yeah. then you can change it. You're not mm-hmm. just buffing, being buffeted around by mm-hmm. the world and by other people's choices, right? Like you have sovereignty in this mm-hmm. world. And that, that is the thing that I'm trying to mm-hmm. teach people. And, and, and to go back to, and that you, you know, that, that actually generates your reality, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that the, the, the energy, the, your belief system creates an energetic imprint in like that becomes you that's mm-hmm. then going to attract or guide you or move you or things are going to come to you. Mm-hmm. It's going to lead you exactly where you want to go. It's mm-hmm. not something you can think about. It's mm-hmm. not a plan that you can make. And so, yeah, your analogy of just like going down in the river, sticking your toe and getting it and let that river take you mm-hmm. and surrendering it and enjoying the ride. Yeah. You know, enjoying the ride as you go. And sometimes that ride is going to be scary. And sometimes you might crash. And it might be a waterfall. Yeah. yeah, it might be a waterfall. That's the end of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't know. You know what's eventually going to happen to all of us, yep, right? Exactly. It's like, but that's the ride we have to go on. And it's either that mm-hmm. or you cling to a tree branch, mm-hmm. you know, as the river's trying to pull you. Keep your and face just, smashed yeah. against the tree trunk where you that's all you can see. And you're just holding the, yeah. Exactly. Like, and I think it feels like to me that's what's going on. A little bit right now it's like when you have you know people choosing to live in fear and those who are not and i understand of course i i, I understand it's scary it's fucking scary out yeah. there um but i just i can feel the, the place inside me where there's just a decision i made very early on it's like I, i'm i'm just gonna choose to live yeah 
Like I, I don't want to risk, uh, endanger anybody. You know, I want to mm-hmm. be mindful and I want to mm-hmm. be respectful, but yeah. I, I want to live and of their choice. Yes. Be respectful of course. Of their choice. Of their yeah. choice. Yeah. And I don't want to diminish or judge, right. mm-hmm. you know, cause everybody's doing their thing, but yeah. you know, it's also like there's a, there's, you know, the mind control is also a little mm-hmm. scary. And so it's in some scary. way, I, I wonder if people like you and me mm-hmm. who've been drawn to this work, who are in other careers and have moved toward this, that there's something that's happening. Mm-hmm. Like we're being called. I believe that. Right? Because it's, it's needed. It's necessary. Yeah. Like people are wanting mm-hmm. to wake up and it, we need to wake up mm-hmm. and build a, maybe army is not the best because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not militaristic, but it's like to build a tribe, to build yeah. strength, to build... Uh, more consciousness in people mm-hmm. so that we can see what we're actually doing and make stronger choices. Because I, I think naturally mm-hmm. the forces inside me, the unconscious forces inside me that are scared, they want to control me. They want to keep me down. They want to keep me yeah. safe. They want, and that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a no to life. So, you know, I think what's happening is, yeah, we're, we're wanting to wake people up mm-hmm. and because we have to, right. We have to, mm-hmm. and it's just an evolutionary process. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the first time I did ayahuasca, that was like, why the fuck is this here? Yeah, like, how the yeah. fuck did they, what the fuck yeah. is this? <laughs> why, why, why would there be such a thing? And how the fuck did they find that? They figured this out. What the fuck? You think this shit yeah. is random? Yeah, they, no. There's a reason for this, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and there's also a reason that you know that Anat was like, hey, you should come and cook. Exactly. Maybe she didn't even know what the fuck that know. was, right? Yeah. Or why your wife was drawn to that guy yeah. and all that stuff, exactly. and how the fuck I got into that. Who the fuck knows, right? Mm-hmm. But something is happening. Mm-hmm. It feels to me. Yeah. And when I follow that, that something happening, when I follow that and attune to the thing that's happening, my life is always better. Right. When I reject it, <laughs> it's always worse. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And so I try to pay attention to that and follow those, those signs and those breadcrumbs and those signals before they get really, really painful. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I I don't begin to know like how this is all going to quote unquote end. I know that I'm going to eventually end in this body and it leaves me feeling really, um, like you said, like able to be like free in my life, free in my decisions, free to choose what I believe is best for me because like, shit, I do the same process every time I get on an airplane. If this is what's going to take me, okay. Right. But I'm still, I still want to go to California or I still want to whatever, go to Hawaii. I'm going to get on this plane and do the thing. Okay, great. I'm going to get in this car to drive to you to do this podcast. If I die from from here to there. Now I'm not consciously thinking about this, but we're all accepting this every day. Yeah. It's like, we're much more likely to die that way than any other. Yeah. (laughs) Or the neglect of our health. (laughs) Don't need to go there, but, uh, the neglect of our, our own personal well-being is causing much more suffering. Uh, this is mental, emotional and physical well-being that's causing much more suffering than any other thing combined. And, 100%, 100%. And so if if we believe that, then that means that individually we can take responsibility for our own health, personal or uh, uh, physical, emotional, mental. We can take control, responsibility of that and eliminate the majority of our suffering. That's right. Um, we're I, far more powerful than yes, we think. Yes. <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we're 
I mean, the, the frickin', it's AI. AI is a fucking joke compared yeah, to us. It's human look technology. This, look I we know. Are, we're not even fully online yet. Like, we're so powerful. And once are we turn our brains to it, I mean, no, you've had your experience in medicine, but when you have these mm-hmm. medicine experiences and the field gets opened up yeah. and you see what the fuck is actually going on and how your <laughs> minds can affect the reality, you're like, what? What? You know, and yeah. then just, but just even look around. Like, uh-huh. the, you know, you, I, you come here, you know, because I've been reading a lot about Texas history and you think this all used to be planes. Like, what, like a hundred. Not that long ago. ago. Yeah. hundred years. And it's all this civilization. Yeah. How the fuck did it get here? All the plumbing, mm-hmm. all the lights, all the electricity, all of this stuff, all these people are living here. It's a fucking <laughs> miracle, yeah. right? And it's like, you know, we look at, oh, look at the birds and look at the bird nests. Isn't that amazing? Fuck birds. Us. <laughs> we are crazy what we're doing. Yeah. And it's so beautiful and it's mm-hmm. so magnificent. And I think we forget sometimes, but I think we're also just at the beginning. We're just, we're literally the, just at the it, beginning yeah. of it. And we have, we're so powerful. So I, you know, that's what I say. I know we don't want to get into it, but it's like, I'm fucking more powerful than the coronavirus. Like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah. live in a world where I'm afraid of some fucking virus. And if it kills me, then it kills me. Then yeah. it's my time. It's okay. Yeah. But it's like, I'm going to fucking generate like my fucking chi mm-hmm. and meditate on that and get strong. And mm-hmm. it's like, and I think that's real. I believe that's real, yeah. you know? Um, anyway, that's my rant. People. <laughs> I love people. it. <laughs> um, what is next for you? What's, what's coming up? What do you, mm. what, what do you have planned? Well, uh, the the podcast that I'm doing is lighting me up. I'm absolutely wow, yeah. Well, you're good at it. You're really Thank good you. interviewer. It's a great podcast, Thank and you. and the vulnerability is is needed. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's refreshing. Yeah. Well, you're doing it as well. Yeah. So thank well, you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and and that's exciting in my world. Uh, have another class for training camp for the soul starting in about three weeks. Uh, another retreat, uh, two retreats actually in October. Um, excited about that. I'm very excited about a new relationship in my life. Oh yeah. This is new since we talked. Well, not a new person, but a new depth, uh, nice. a new, a new commitment. So, um, very excited about that. And, uh, I'm staying open to, to life right now. Cause every time I try to plan six months out, shit changes. And so, um, I'm staying really open while also keeping my head down on what I'm here to do. And I do it every day. So, um, that's to facilitate transformation and I'm doing it. Uh, so yeah, I was actually called, I led a breathwork session, uh, yesterday morning and it was just like a, a full yes to leading more live in-person events mm. here in Austin. So I'm going to be doing more of that just like a couple hours. Um, couple hour type events, not like full blown retreats. Yeah. Um, but, uh, those light me up. So I'm yeah. going to be doing more of those and, um, still traveling and enjoying life and uh, a lot more travels planned for the rest of the year. And, um, yeah. and people, where do people find you? Yeah. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. The gram. Yeah. Definitely follow Chris on Instagram. It's, He's uh, great. Thank He's you. really, really great. He's so authentic and real. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely follow your great following Thank on you. Instagram. They can find me at Chris Marhefka. And then, uh, my company training camp for the soul. The one we talked about is just at training camp for the soul or training camp for the soul.com. So Chris Marhefka training camp for the soul. Thank you, man. 